Thank you for listening to the Ablaze Church Sermon Podcast. Our purpose at Ablaze is to love God, love others, follow Jesus, and tell others. If you are looking for a church home in the Tulsa area, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Saturdays at 6.30 p.m. or Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at ablazechurch.org. I'm sure you've heard everything's bigger in Texas, right? Well, there were two Texans who were speaking among themselves and talking about their big ranches. And one asked the other, well, what's the name of your ranch? And he said, the triple X, double Y, single Z ranch. Wow, he goes, that's impressive. So how about your ranch? What's the name of your ranch? Well, he goes, the rolling R, A, B, C, Square D, bar U, circle S, rolling M, rainbows N, silver spur ranch. Wow, the other gentleman goes, that must be a big ranch. He says, it is huge. Well, how many cattle do you run on that ranch? And he kind of disappointedly says, just a few. Just a few on such a big ranch? He goes, yeah. He says, how come? He says, well, we have trouble with the cattle surviving the branding. Hmm. <laughs> you know, pride, a big ego, big head can cause a lot of problems in one's life. Have you ever heard this said? The bigger one's head is, the easier it is to fill their shoes. Or the smaller one's head is, the more humble one is, the harder it is to fill their shoes. Today I want to talk to you about the biggest shoes to fill. It is the shoes of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're in a series called The Love Languages of God. It's based upon a book by the name of Gary Chapman, who has studied human nature and has learned that we love to speak in five different languages to one another, and we love to receive those languages also. But not everybody's the same. Your love language that you're good at communicating may not be somebody else's. And the love language that you like to receive may not be the love language that somebody else is good at speaking. I don't know if you heard about the woman who woke up one morning and said to her husband, I had a dream last night that you gave me a silver necklace. What do you think it means? The husband goes, well, honey, you're very wise and smart, words of affirmation. I'm sure your birthday's in two months. You'll know. Hmm. Month later, another dream. I had a dream you gave me a gold necklace. What do you think it means? I don't know. You're very smart and wise, and one month is your birthday. You'll probably know. Two weeks later, 
I had a dream that you gave me a diamond necklace. And the husband said, well, in two weeks, you'll know. Birthday came around, beautiful box, expensively wrapped. She opens it up, and there was a book, The Meaning of Dreams. (laughs) Well, now obviously, she wanted to receive the love language of gifts, okay? And he wasn't really good at that. The love languages, number one, is words of affirmation. The second is quality time. The third is gifts. The fourth is acts of service. And the fifth is appropriate touch. Now, while you and I may not be too good at all these love languages, maybe have a primary, God is good with all of them. And he speaks to us in many love languages. Now, the first week, Dr. Spomo shared with us how God speaks to us the love language of words of affirmation. The whole Bible from cover to cover is God's love letter to us. He says, I love you. I'd rather die than be without you. And it's by grace through faith you are saved. Oh, I don't have to work at it. No, out of works lest any man should boast. Wow. He loves us and says, someday I'm coming back for you in the book of Revelation. That makes us feel good. Words of affirmation. God shows to you and I the love language of quality time. Adam and Eve in the garden, in the cool of the day. And God so loved the world, he came. Okay, Emmanuel, God is with us. He spent three and a half years of quality time here on earth. And when he ascended into heaven 40 days after Easter, he says, I won't leave you as orphans. I'll send you the gift of the Holy Spirit, the full manifestation of the Holy Spirit, who is our comforter and our guide. The gift of quality time is found on Sunday morning. When we're two or three are gathered, God is present. The third love language that God overwhelms us with is gifts. Every one of you have the gift of life. The air that you breathe, The car that brought you here is a gift from God. Listen to the words of James. Every gift, every perfect good gift comes down from the Father in heaven. Well, of course, the greatest gift God ever gave was his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who died for us on the cross so we could have that ultimate gift of forgiveness and eternal life in heaven today. I want to speak to you about God's love language of acts of service. This is a love language that not only God excels at, but it is a universal language that I believe all people, all of you, including me, love to receive. We love to hear and experience this love language. And we're going to learn a lot about it from Jesus himself by taking a close look at an act of service that Jesus shared and loved on the disciples. Come along with me as we take another close look at this reading from Scripture. Open that Bible and turn to John 13 again. Notice how John records this. Now, before the feast 
of the Passover. When Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. What an epithet about Jesus. He loved them to the end. Wouldn't this be something if people said that about you? He loved. She loved them to the end. Imagine that on a tombstone. Yeah. This was the Passover meal that they were celebrating. Now, the Passover meal today can get so complicated. How many of you have ever experienced a Seder meal or a Passover meal as a family or at a church? Yeah, there are so many different rites and rituals and acts that have to be performed. But I don't believe Jesus celebrated such a Passover. If you go back to the original Passover, it was done in haste. It was something very simple. It was a meal of teaching and making sure that everybody who celebrated it could answer just one question. Hmm, think about that. There was only one question that was asked and God said, this is the simple answer. I don't think, well, maybe you do know it, but if not, I want to invite you to a simple Seder that will be celebrated in our Tulsa campus on April 14th. That's Monday, Thursday. We're going to celebrate the Seder meal. And if you've never experienced a Passover, I'm going to encourage you. You're going to learn so much. And it's going to be simple. And you're going to bring the dots together. You might connect the dots when it comes to the Lord's Supper. All right, enough said about that. I'm going to teach you now. We're going to take a close look at the acts of service of washing feet. Take a look at what happens here. Verse 2. During this supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Now, Jesus is all-knowing. He's God Almighty. He knew that Judas already had received 30 pieces of silver to betray him. He also knew that Thomas would uh, doubt him, that Peter publicly tonight, this night, would betray him, not betray him, deny that he knew him three times and call curses down from heaven. And he knew every one of those disciples would flee from him in the Garden of Gethsemane. But yet, he's willing to serve them. What big shoes. Verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, this is John's way of saying he is God Almighty on earth. Everything was in his hands. This is the guy who walked on water, who changed water into wine, healed the sick, the lame, raised people from the dead. Everything was in his hands. And what did he do? With the freedom of his will, the supper, the Passover meal, within this Passover meal, not finished yet, he rose. Now, I, don't want to make, I want to make a spiritual connection with you 
from Monday, Thursday to Good Friday. This event happened on Monday, Thursday, but it has connotations. It's like a parable. There's a connection also to what happened on Good Friday. Jesus, with the freedom of his will, rose to go to the cross. Nobody forced him. Nobody took it and told him he had to do it. This was his freedom of his will. He went willingly. He could have just said no and called down legions of angels. But no, freedom of the will. He got up, rose from the supper, and he laid aside his outer garments. Jesus allowed them to strip him of his clothes on Good Friday. As he laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Have you ever seen a picture of Jesus on the cross with just a loincloth? Just a towel? Then he poured water into a basin. Poured water into a basin. On the cross, Jesus poured out his blood for you, for you and for me. And began to wash the disciples' feet. By his wounds we are healed. By his blood we are cleansed. With the towel, disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Meaning Jesus washed the disciples' feet. He could have just left them air dry. But no, he washed their feet and took a towel and wiped it. He finished the job. On the cross, he said, it is finished. That ultimate act of service. You see, there's this connection between what Jesus did with the disciples and what he did for each and every one of us on the cross. And it is Jesus who makes that connection in the next few words. But notice what happens. He came to Simon Peter. Now, who is Simon Peter? He's Mr. Spiritual. Oh, yeah, he speaks up. Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem earlier and said, I'll be arrested, crucified. No, never will this happen to you, Lord. He knew better than Jesus. That's how he acted. Well, here again, Peter thinks he knows better than Jesus. Lord, do you wash my feet? Now, if I was Jesus, I would have said, duh. <laughs> but that's not how Jesus says it or responds. Listen to his response. Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand. And Peter didn't. God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, the savior of the world, washing my feet. Peter didn't understand that Jesus came to serve, not to be served. But afterwards, you will understand, after the resurrection, after Jesus ascends into heaven, he knew that he had to feed sheep. He understands service. Verse 8, Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Peter is telling Jesus what to do. Have you ever told God what to do for you? Have you ever told God what he should do for somebody else? Yeah. If I do not wash you, notice this. This is Jesus saying, I have to wash you. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. 
This is something God has to do for us. That is, wash us. We cannot wash ourselves. That's the grace of God. Nine, verse nine. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, now do not, do not my feet only, but also my hands, my head. Now he's adding to what he tells Jesus to do. Oh, gosh, have you ever wanted to add what God should do for you? Oh, Lord, I know you're doing this, but now I want you to do A, B, C, and D. Talk about being proud. Talk about having a big head. You know why we know this? Luke tells us, you know what these disciples together were arguing about before the Passover meal? As they're going to the Passover meal, this is what they're arguing about. Who's the goat? Who's the greatest? (laughs) Can you imagine that? Oh, I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. And so Jesus, you can just see him. Oh, gosh. Three and a half years. And this is what you argue about. So he had to show them greatness. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. Here's that spiritual connection. If you're here this morning and if you're listening to me online and you're a baptized Christian and you love Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're born again, You are clean. You are cleansed. It's by grace you are saved. But yet we walk in a dirty world. Every week we walk around, it is our feet that gets dirty in this sinful world. And what Jesus needs to do is clean us every seven days, you might say. Think about it. You're born again, saved Christian. You're clean. You've been baptized buried you with Christ and raised. But yet, every seven days, you get your feet pretty dirty. And that's why you come to the church. You, you come to a worship service. Now, if we had the Lutheran hymnal here in front of us, and you'd go through the services in that Lutheran hymnal, it wouldn't be worship setting one, two, and three. You know what it's called? Divine service one, divine service two, divine service three, divine service four. Because we want to teach and get people to realize Sunday morning is God's service to us. This is his house. It's not yours. And when you come to his house, he serves you. He renews you and strengthens you and tells you he loves you in his word. When someone is baptized, it's God doing the washing. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it is God serving us, his body and his blood, renewing and strengthening us in baptism, making us a child of God. And when Dr. Spomer or I stand up in front of you and say, listen, if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself. You have just a big head. You think you know more than God. But if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive your sins. 
as a called and ordained servant of the word of God, I stand before you with the privilege of announcing your sins are forgiven. Your feet have been washed, even though you're clean. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see the connection that the body of Christ, the feet are washed by Jesus through absolution, confession and absolution. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you. You see, there was that one amongst them, Judas, who was so proud, so big-headed, it caused a big problem in his life. He rejected Jesus because he wasn't going to put up with a foot washer. He wasn't going to put up with a savior that serves. Yeah. And it was his downfall. But Jesus illustrated to Judas and washed his feet, Thomas, Peter, and us. And this is what Jesus said, as if you would read, continue reading this. He says, you call me teacher and Lord? God Almighty, and rightfully so. He says, if I have done this for you, then you should do this for others. In fact, it is called Monday Thursday. That means mandate Thursday. New command Thursday. In Lutheran realms, we talk about sacraments. What are sacraments? how God serves us, but there are things that are commanded by Jesus. An example, baptism. What is baptism? Not just simple water. It's water connected to God's word and command. And forgiveness of sins are given. The gift of the Holy Spirit is granted if you do not already have him. You're marked a child of God. You become an heir of heaven. It's a sacrament. It's sacred. The Lord's Supper, bread, Wine, grape juice, elements connected to God's word and command. Do this in remembrance of me. And we commune with Christ. We have that quality time. Words of affirmation. Your sins are forgiven. We're renewed and strengthened. It's a command. But here on Monday, Thursday, do you realize God gives a command that's connected with elements? The water. And the command, if I do this, you do it. Now, I'm not saying that foot washing is a new sacrament. We only have the two. But what I'm saying, this is so important for Jesus, that he's not trying to institute foot washing. What he's instituting, what he's sharing is servanthood, not foot washing. The reason we know that is because the early church The early church would gather for the reading of the apostles' teaching, for prayer, for fellowship, and the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper. And, of course, baptism was a big part of it, but not foot washing. This was Jesus' way of illustrating we should be first in serving. The reason we know that, because when you read Acts 2, 42 and on, what did the early church do? If somebody was in need, somebody would step up and serve. When somebody was lacking, somebody would fill that. 
As Jesus put it, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you visited me. I was sick and you tended to me. Whatever you do to these the least, you do to me. Not even a glass of cold water. Listen to what Dr. Martin Luther King proclaimed. He was named after Martin Luther King of the 16th century. Everyone can be great. You don't need a degree. You don't need money. All you need is a soul full of grace and a heart overflowing with love. You see, to be great in the eyes of our God is to be a servant. That's what Jesus is teaching the disciples. What is greatness? <laughs> you know, when I look out at all of you, you know that I see a lot of great people. <laughs> I see greatness. That's within the church. <laughs> we can all be great in the eyes of our God just by speaking that love language of service. I'd like to read to you something. It is a poem. Okay? Got a question. Has anybody here ever changed a diaper? Oh. Ever changed a messy one? Mmm. I want you to think about our ministries here at Ablaze. And I want you to think about Ablaze Christian Academy and the little children, and why we serve a preschool in this community as part of our ministry. Listen to this poem. It is a, this could be a poem about anything within the church. Singing, being a janitor, setting up a table, being in the booth, working in the parking lot, doing anything within a church this could be said about putting a gift in the offering plate. My turn in the nursery. Last Sunday was my turn in the nursery to work. My heart wasn't in it. My feelings were hurt. A child from its mother did not want to part, and it cried a lot with its broken heart. I prayed that soon the hour would end that I would relax, no more children to tend. Soon the hour was over, it felt good to be free. I said once a month was too much for me. The very next Sunday I sat in the pew, heard a very good sermon, but visitors were few. But down came a woman, and her soul was saved. She was the mother of that crying babe. Then it dawned on me that I had been a part of one being saved, giving God her heart. From that day on, I would never dread working in the nursery while souls are fed. Amen. <laughs>